come to work every day ready to give my best, whether that's in baseball or accounting. You don't really necessarily know what's going to come your way that day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, for today, we have the first in a few episodes I'm recording specifically on the topic of going into accounting as your second career. I got the idea from one of our listeners, actually. I was doing a little career counseling, I guess you would call it, and the individual said, I listened to your podcast, but you never had anyone like me that went into accounting much later in life as their second career, so to speak. And honestly, I think we may have had a guest that did something like that at some point, but I'm really not sure. And I know we definitely have never delved deeper into that particular path. So I decided to search out a few guests to talk about their experiences doing just that starting in accounting after doing something else as a career for a little while initially. Well, Brian Henderson is joining us today, and he currently works in the state tax consulting arena. But prior to that, he played professional baseball for many years. He's got a really unique story for sure. And you'll see as we get into it, how many lessons he was able to draw from his baseball days into his career as an accountant. He definitely benefited from that time as a learning experience early on in life. I think you're really going to enjoy Brian's story. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please take the time to rate it. I wanted to do a little shout out or a little thank you, if you will, to M.V. Hoover. That was our most recent podcast review, if you will, not just a rating, but a review where you write a little review about it in your podcast app. And I really appreciate it when people take the time to do that. So thank you, M.V. Hoover. Really appreciate you taking the time for that. And as always, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career or for your accounting organizations you may be involved in, or really any accounting association that you may be involved in, please reach out to me as well. I'm always happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. I think you're really going to enjoy Brian's story. Here's Brian Henderson. Well, hello, Brian. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you having me on and looking forward to seeing what we have to talk about and unpack here. Yes, and I'm really looking forward to this. I appreciate you doing it. Well, for the audience, this is going to be one of our second career accountant episodes. I wanted to do a few of these so we highlight that path or that start to your career as well, because not everyone jumps straight from high school to college and into accounting per se. Some do something different initially and then find accounting later on. Brian Henderson up in the Austin, Texas area is joining us for today's show. And prior to becoming an accountant, he played baseball professionally. We've had another guest that was a professional golfer for a short time, but Brian played professional baseball for several years, actually, prior to starting his accounting career. I wanted to bring a few second career accountants on the program because I know there are sometimes, you know, a few unique challenges to starting later, but I also know there are some unique positive aspects of, of having that earlier experience as well. And Brian looks gracious enough to come on the show and discuss his own path. You're really going to enjoy the story, I'm sure. Well, Brian, before we get to your accounting career, which is unusual for me, actually, but before we get to your accounting career, let's make sure we cover your overall journey. Tell us about how your first 
career started? Sure, Mark. Yeah, the first career started just kind of out of that boyhood dream that I had playing amateur baseball in Houston, Texas. And I wanted to set my sights on being a professional baseball player growing up. And actually, I was cut from my high school baseball team as a freshman. And I kind of was questioning whether or not to stick with it and try to keep pursuing it or get myself back into my studies a little bit more and focus on that. And luckily, you know, I decided to stick with it, even through those hardships of being cut from the team and being away from the team for that whole year, I kind of threw myself into training. And then I picked the school as a senior that I was able to walk onto the baseball team, and that was the University of Houston. So I actually picked that school as well because of all the scholarship awards that I was able to gain from being an engineering student. And so I was kind of working on both of those things concurrently, a professional baseball player or a professional engineer during my years of college. So I went to college for three years and I was actually lucky enough to get drafted after my junior year. And they offered me a pretty hefty signing bonus and also two full years of scholarship. So I had a full ride waiting for me once I was ready to wrap up my professional career in baseball if I needed to. And so basically college, it's a big juggling act. You've got to really manage your time. And I remember having to take organic chemistry tests, like literally right before the game started, because for some reason, this professor scheduled her tests on Friday night at seven o'clock. And that would be our first baseball game of the weekend would, would be Friday at seven. So I had a lot of challenges kind of just getting through some of the courses at University of Houston. So I went ahead and decided to go after my junior year into professional baseball. And another reason why I did that was because that extra year of eligibility, you know, having that decision to either stay on for your senior year or leave, it gives you a little bit more leverage. And also it kind of allows the team to invest a little bit more into you, maybe give a little bit more second and third chances if needed. So yeah, so I took that path and kind of ran with it for quite a long time. I got fairly close to the big leagues. In 2008, I got to AAA, which is one step below the major leagues. And I actually was a Durham Bull. I don't know if you're familiar with that famous baseball movie in the 80s with Kevin Costner. But So there's actually a team in Durham, North Carolina named the Durham Bulls. And that was our team. I was the parent major league organization I was under was the Tampa Bay Rays. And they were kind of new still, a new organization. I think they were part of the expansion like in the late 90s in Major League Baseball, like along with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So they were a newer organization and they were just kind of like getting started, like fleshing out some of their minor league systems, their staff and etc. So I was able to kind of go through this program and see a lot of small town Americana, which was a lot of fun. So we did a lot of traveling and, you know, we might play two or three games at home, which is, let's say, is in Durham. And then we would drive maybe eight hours or maybe longer overnight or sometimes in the early morning to the next stadium. And then we'll be the visiting team in that stadium for two or three days. So basically, it was about six or seven summers. We start kind of like in the spring and then wind it up in September. So it's just a, a lot of constant traveling that we did during the seasons. and it kind of like, it just exposes you to so many different people, not to mention the people on your team could be from a totally different country, speak a different language. But we all kind of had that same kind of common thread where we loved what we were doing. We loved playing baseball and playing at a high level. 
So going back to how it kind of all started, I just, it was so much of a, you know, was just one of those opportunities that was just too good to pass up, even if didn't end up in the major leagues, making the millions and retiring and playing golf when I'm in my mid thirties, it was totally just something I couldn't pass up because not everybody makes it to the major leagues. And I think that was kind of in the back of my mind when I was making my decision in college about whether or not to go. But what made it easier for me was that scholarship money that they offered. So kind of when I knew when things were peaking for me, as far as my ability and my skill level, I started to look at education. So I kind of transitioned after my sixth or seventh season to start looking into where I wanted to finish up my degree. So baseball for me was is just one of those wonderful opportunities that I'm just so glad that I decided to take advantage of it, even though it didn't provide me with all the monetary rewards that everybody kind of sees in the major leagues. The stories that I have and the friendships that I have, it's just something I wouldn't trade for anything. And also, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but the benefits that it brings to your career or my career and outside of baseball, you know, your second career, you know, a lot of those skills that you learn in, in professional sports or collegiate sports, they can benefit you in, in any career that you decide to do afterwards. So sure. that's kind of how I got started in looking into my second career was just, I kind of looked around at the, towards the end of my career and was like, I wasn't a lifer. Baseball is kind of unique because all the coaches, they're the only ones that wear a uniform. Like football, the coaches, they don't wear a uniform. Basketball, they're not wearing uniforms. But baseball, it's kind of interesting that even the old guys, you know, the 60 or 70 or 80-year-old guys that are the coaches, they're still lacing up their shoes and putting on their baseball pants and jerseys and hats and everything. And I just knew that there was a little bit more that I wanted to explore in my life outside of baseball. So a lot of people at that point, they decide to become lifers and go into coaching. And I just wanted to get back to my studies. You know, I was fairly bright in school and I thought maybe I could get into a different career where I could use that to my advantage and not necessarily be using my body every day for work. Sure, sure. I love this story, though, because you had obviously some great experiences. You made wonderful memories and you had a successful run, you know, during those six or seven summers. And and yet you were cut in your freshman year, you know, and had you not stuck with it. I mean, this really is a perseverance story. You know, had you not stuck with it, then you wouldn't have had all those experiences. And I mean, they even gave you a safety net of two years of scholarships on the back end. I had no idea. I'm very ignorant about sports, but I had no idea that was possible. I, I don't know. Maybe it's common, but I mean, you stuck with it. And because of that, here you are telling the story. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm going to go watch that Kevin Costner movie again. I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen the whole one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I actually was kind of inspired by Michael Jordan's story. It's kind of famous where he was cut by his high school basketball team. And he just kind of used that as fuel to drive his motivation to be better. And I was never, you know, that touted recruit got tons of college offers, like a star athlete in high school. I wasn't one of those people. I was just kind of always the underdog that would try to outwork everybody else and, and just improve myself. So, yeah, it kind of helped me also in my professional career because all of a sudden, everybody is just as good as you are and the margin of between one player and the next is 
razor thin. And lots of times, high school athletes, they're the star of the show in high school. And then they get thrown into all the other star athletes from high school in professional baseball or college athletes. And they don't really know how to adjust. They're like, well, the playing field all of a sudden is a lot more level and they're not quite the standout as they used to be. So sometimes there's an adjusting period the first couple of years in, in professional baseball. But yeah, luckily I was always just kind of like one of those underdog people that tried to just work hard and didn't have a lot of natural skills or talent. I mean, the one good thing I had was I started throwing the baseball with the left hand. That's just kind of a unique, quirky thing that at that time, not everybody had seen a left-handed pitcher or seen a good left-handed pitcher. So that was one of my advantages, but I was also pretty small. So baseball and all sports, I think it's just really important to kind of put yourself out there and be competitive and just see what happens. And all sports, I feel like this give you some great life lessons that you can take with you and apply in your career or in your personal life. And I'm really happy that I did stick with it because I think there's some lessons and stories there that were so unique and that I don't know if I could find that somewhere else. So yeah. I'm curious, something else I didn't realize that piqued my interest earlier. So you said you were an engineering student. I know you work in accounting now. So I guess when you went back to school, is that when you decided to make the change? Or Yeah, I, I did. did. Yeah, it was. Sure. I can basically kind of pinpoint it back to when I came back to Houston after my last season. It had been six or seven years since I took my last engineering class and jumping right back into some of those upper level courses would have taken me a lot of time. I guess there would have been a steep learning curve for me to kind of get my mind frame back into engineering and conquer some of those classes. Because yeah, my junior year, that was another reason why it was kind of, it made it a little bit easier for me to leave because some of the classes were getting really in depth and I was a chemical engineering student. So I had to take a lot of biology and like I mentioned, organic chemistry. And mm -hmm. so there were some science classes that were giving me a little trouble. So that was kind of my decision. I wasn't 100% sold on being able to jump back into engineering and, and getting a degree there. And then the other reason was I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to stop playing baseball at the time. And this was kind of when distance learning was getting really popular. So I picked a degree in business management where I could distance learn and I didn't have to go to a brick and mortar school and I could potentially sign on for another season. The other thing about baseball is it's just, there's a lot of unknowns. You don't know if you're going to be there next week. You could get sent up, you could get sent down, you could get traded. And then in the off season, somebody might call you and say, hey, we have a opportunity in Venezuela. Are you able to fly down there and pitch for a couple months? Or there's actually leagues in Australia that I was looking at and also in Italy at the time. So I eventually settled on another couple of seasons in uh, Somerset, New Jersey, which oh. is, used to be in the Atlantic League. It's like an hour outside of New York City. But I was pitching there and going to school online and at night and just taking my classes and things like that. So that's kind of how I made the decision to get out of engineering or go a different route was that distance learning was kind of really important for me. And I took a real general business management degree, kind of give me exposure to a lot of different things. So I kind of later on decide, okay, what do I want to kind of focus on or specialize in? So yeah, I eventually 
decided to hang up the spikes, you know, for good and finish the degree and came back to Texas and then then decided to move here to Austin. It was kind of about just kind of getting my independence and trying a different city out here in Texas. I've never really spent a lot of time in Austin before and I'm glad I picked it. I really love this city and I love my career now. And, you know, it was some bumpy, definitely some bumpy times in that transition from one career to the next. And I tried a few different things when I first moved here and was still like looking for that permanent thing. I did quite a few gig type jobs and actually worked in a few kitchens as a chef. And I kind of got away from that because it was back to late nights, working on holidays and being tired on my body. Baseball, I guess a lot of people don't know this. It's it's pretty tough on the body and it's one of the most demanding schedules out of any of the sports. We play 150, 160 games a year. Football's got 16 games. Basketball, they might have 50 games, something like that. But baseball is kind of more like golf where it's it's like a repetitive type skill. You don't really get good at baseball unless you play it a lot. And same thing with golf. You know, you can't just pick up a golf club and swing it every six months and expect to break 80. You got to really stick with it. So I was just finding that in addition to my skill level kind of topping out as far as competing, it was also, I was being pretty hard on my body. Now, luckily I didn't have any major injuries or major surgeries, but I did know that I was kind of getting into something where it's like, this is not going to be long-term. That's why if you're a pitcher and you're over 30, you're either in the major leagues or you're on your way out was kind of the deal just because it's so difficult on your body and you need to bounce back day after day and recovery has just become so much more important. So yeah, I kind of got here to Austin. I started working in kitchens, which is could be 10, 12 hour shifts and stand on my feet. And I was like, you know what? I need to sit down and start really seriously looking for a career where I'm using my skill, my brain, basically. You know, I just want to get out of that. Baseball is not necessarily manual labor, but it's (laughs) using your body to make money. And I wanted to start using my brain to make money and take it easier on my body and go out and play baseball when I wanted to or go out for a jog or a run when I wanted to. Not necessarily I have to. And another analogy that I kind of like in professional baseball too is like, do you like chocolate cake? Most people say, yeah, I love chocolate cake. Well, how about having a piece of cake every day this summer for 160 days straight? At the end of that 160 days, are you still going to love chocolate cake? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's, that's kind of like what baseball was for me. It was just like so much of a good thing at the end of the season. I was just drained. Actually, when I retired, I, I took a whole year off. I did a detox from baseball. I didn't really want to watch it on TV. I didn't really want to read about it in the paper or anything like that. I took a good mental break from it. And sometimes when you're in it so deep, it's hard to really enjoy it or appreciate it. But I feel like the further away I get from that career, it's like, wow, that really was a lot of fun. It was really unique. And I just get more perspective on the places I was and the people that I met and and the stories that I've been able to take away from it. Sure, sure. So you're playing baseball or you're going to school at night. Then you you move to Austin, you take a few gig jobs. How did you get your first accounting job? How did you break into the field? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's actually funny because I was working part-time for an attorney and we were doing, and it was something I found, I think on Craigslist. 
Hmm. I found this opening that was part-time as like a, you would run documents to the Secretary of State and the Texas Comptroller, and you would also basically handle a lot of incoming calls from attorneys. And basically what we were doing was uh, corporate formations, forming the LLCs, corporations, LPs, all that for these attorneys. And the reason why we were good at it or we had this business was because we were within walking distance to the Secretary of State. So sometimes if you needed a quick turnaround to form a business, you could call us and we could just set the documents real quick, print them out and run them over there and get the stamp and okay, you're in business. Whereas sometimes if you mailed it in or if you did it online, it could take a little bit longer to get your official notice from the state that you're registered entity. So that was part-time and he would give me, I'd have Wednesday afternoons and Friday afternoons and, you know, to do my own thing. But I had those 30 hours where I qualified for group healthcare, basically. That was one of the things in that gig economy and after baseball was my insurance was kind of falling through or, or had gaps in it. Back in the Obama administration, they didn't want you to have any gaps in your healthcare. So that was one of my motivations to get onto this company. It's called Lawyers Aid Service. They're still in business here in, in Austin. So I started learning all that whole world opened up to me. And I took a tour to the UT Law School. I was kind of maybe thinking about getting into that. I just was already in debt. And those massive amounts of tuition and student loans just kind of scared me. Honestly, I wasn't really ready to take on $100,000, in, in student loans to become an attorney. That's why I also kind of lean towards accounting, but they both kind of work really closely together, law and accounting. So again, we were running documents to the Secretary of State and also the Texas Comptroller because you can't really dissolve a business if you've got debts with the state. So you have to get a, a tax clearance letter with the Texas Comptroller to dissolve your entity. So I was going into the Comptroller a lot to file these franchise tax returns and in person. And I just became friends with the people there at the office. Most of the times people aren't super happy about paying their taxes, especially at the state level. People would be late on those franchise tax returns and they owe the, the $50 late filing penalty, or they didn't understand their sales tax obligations, things like that. So they're angry and upset when they go into these offices, but I'm just a third party consultant. I'm a friendly guy. And so I would just be able to talk to a lot of the people that worked at the comptroller while they did all their business with the returns I brought in or things like that. So they were the ones who kind of let me on to say, hey, like if you're interested in this, you know, there's a few openings here at the comptroller. And that's kind of how I got into accounting was through them, was through the comptroller and, and, and through learning about this whole state tax world. I really didn't even know what the comptroller was before working at my first job. So there was this program that they passed Texas legislature to give away $50 million to telecommunications companies. This is an annual program and it has to go through the audit office at the Texas Comptroller. So normally audits, they are looking for money. They're looking for tax liability. And this is a program where we're looking to give away $50 million a year. So it was kind of different. And that was my first introduction. They had four full-time openings to administer this new program and it's all sales tax rebates. So my first kind of exposure to accounting really is, has been in sales tax and sales tax refunds. So it's working with kind of the big players in the telecommunications industry like Sprint, AT&T. This was a few years ago, and they were looking to improve the infrastructure that we have, you know, from a 3G to 4G to now I think we have 5G. 
and just improve the speed of our internet connections everywhere. And that was what the refund was related to. So yeah, luckily I interviewed for the job and I got it. And that was kind of my crash course in the accounting was um, learning about tangible personal property versus taxable services and what do you need to perfect a refund. And also this program, it wasn't 12 months out of the year. It was, let's say there would be busy times or peak times. So then I could kind of rotate off to other programs that the audit office handled. So that's kind of my first kind of step into accounting was being a state employee and kind of learning about what it took to become an auditor and learning about state pensions and why those are so popular. And yeah, I learned a lot. I I was there working alongside people with 30 years of tenure or 40 years of tenure. I actually met somebody who had worked there before sales tax was invented in Texas in the 70s, something like that. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre, but she had retired and been rehired. So she was getting her pension as well as earning salary at the same time, which I think they don't allow that anymore. I don't think you can come back on as a retire, rehire person. But yeah, just the wealth of knowledge that was available to me was at the start of my career was really advantageous for me. Wow. There's a lot of things I love about your story. This is another one. So when I talk to people about transitioning in, if they didn't get a job through sort of the college internship program, I tell them, you need to network. You need to talk to everyone you know and let them know what you're looking for and this kind of thing. And that's exactly what you did. You made friends just doing your normal job and it helped you get into your next gig because they liked you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Wow. That is wonderful. So how long did you stay at the Comptroller? That small talk or the elevator talk that that most people, they don't really pay much attention to. It can be really valuable and really helpful just because somebody is not in a position to help you right now. That might mean something different in six months or a year. You know, you can run into the same person and and all of a sudden the connections open and the opportunities there and and you can take it. To answer your question, I I was at the Comptroller for four and a half years. Went in with zero accounting experience. They had to really kind of teach us, the four of us that were hired, about proper procedure. And I mean, I was just learning all the time on the job, basically. And there was a step up in salary to become an auditor. So I started off as an accounts examiner, uh, which is not an auditor, but we helped auditors. We assisted on audits, but we weren't the official auditor. So you need to have 24 hours of accounting experience and a college degree in order to qualified to interview for an audit position. And it was probably like a ten to $15,000 jump in salary annually. And uh, so it was enough for me to kind of look into it seriously as far as getting those college credits. And right here in Austin, we have this great community college called Austin Community College. And I was living in the tax district to qualify for lower tuition fees. And I think it was maybe like $300 for like a three-hour credit class, which it might have even been less than that. It might have been $250 per class, which is unheard of now. I mean, those prices were back when my dad went to school or even in at University of Houston, I was paying a lot more for tuition. So this seemed like a really easy way for me to try to get myself into a higher salary and stay with the comptroller. And I just kind of did like a class at a time. I never did more than two classes at a time at Austin Community College. But I took some in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. And if I had like a busy time at work, maybe I would skip a semester here and there. 
But during that four and a half year period at the Comptroller, I was taking classes at ACC. And their program is designed for people that are wanting to go for a CPA. And at the time, I was like, well, I don't really care about being a CPA. I'm not interested in it. I just want to stay at the Comptroller for 30 years and get my pension and retire. So all I need is the 24 hours of accounting. So I got that and I did begin work as a tax auditor, a real life tax auditor, going out and knocking on people's doors and saying, hey, hand over your books and records and I need to take a look at them and make sure you're complying with all the state sales tax laws. And a lot of what I learned before I was an auditor was about refunds, which is about giving money away. And people are a lot nicer <laughs> when you're giving money away as opposed to when you knock on the door and try to assess a liability. And the reason why I think you know auditors get that bad reputation is because the sales tax laws here in Texas, they can be kind of confusing for people starting out in a small business or even in a big business. Somebody can make a, a taxability decision that's incorrect and it winds up making a huge liability on the business. So, I mean, some of the issues that I was facing as an auditor, I didn't have those, you know, when I was dealing with refunds as an accounts examiner. So that was kind of the big shift for me or eye opener was like, hey, nobody's happy to see me. You know, like nobody really wants to see me do a good job here. And it was difficult to go into work like that with those kind of attitudes coming at me. I prefer like more of that team building kind of atmosphere like I had in baseball where everybody's, you know, at least not outwardly negative attitudes towards me. It was more supportive. I wanted to have a job where people were happy to see me. They look forward to me coming to work every day. So I learned a ton of taxability and a ton of about starting a small business and kind of navigating that with the comptroller. But I just started to look a little bit more at something where I could transition back into either sales tax refunds or a different type of tax or accounting altogether. So that's when I started looking around at different big four firms and even smaller accounting firms. But the kind of drawback for me was that I didn't have an accounting degree. I had that general business management degree and I had 24 hours of accounting. But a lot of those big four firms and a lot of accounting firms, they want to make sure that eventually you're going to be eligible to sit for the CPA exam or, or you're already a CPA. Or Luckily, with my experience with refunds, that helped me get the job here where I am currently at Ryan LLC. Because that's a lot of what they do. They aren't a public CPA firm. They're private accounting firm, and they focus mostly on sales tax, property tax, and income tax. So it fit. It happened to fit. And I came over here, and there's a lot of difference between public and private. In public, you're not really worried about your financial numbers at the end of the year. I mean, some what you are, I mean, they are interested in doing that for budgeting, sending the budget along to the legislature so they don't know how much money that we're working with. But in the private sector, it's more about, okay, well, let's bring in revenue. Let's bring in revenue. So that part where maybe the horizon, the time horizon is a little bit shorter, where you're, you're focusing a little bit more on short-term results as opposed to long-term results or just general tax administration. But yeah, the other draw that I had to come to Ryan LLC was my supervisor was a, a CPA. So I could work directly under a CPA. And while I was continuing to take those college classes to sit for the CPA exam, I'd already have the experience under a CPA. So yeah, I decided to do that. 
kept taking classes and this past year I was able to apply for eligibility to sit for the exams. And with this quarantining environment that we were in, I was able to sacrifice those nights and weekends a little bit easier because it wasn't a lot going on. Most everybody was encouraged to stay at home and stay indoors. And I was like, well, that's perfect for me. I need to do that anyway for this exam. And so the timing of everything worked out really well. And again, I just felt like it was just kind of out of reach to be able to be a CPA when I first started in accounting. I just didn't think it was going to be for me. I didn't think I'd be able to get through all the classes and I would just be more focused on professional development. But the thing is kind of lined up and I just kind of kept taking a class here and there. And it was always just kind of like out there on the horizon. And I'm still kind of shocked that I'm sitting here talking to you and on the other side of those four CPA exams, they seemed so intimidating and just out of reach. And I'm just excited to have that all done. Yes. Congratulations. That really is a major accomplishment. Wow. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. There's something for this style of episode I definitely wanted to ask you before we get to the final three questions. How do you feel like your prior experience in your first career baseball, how do you feel that benefits you now or has benefited you in your new career accounting? Number one, to be prepared. You have to do your due diligence. You have to assume that somebody's out there working just as hard as you. And those type of things where you're going the extra mile, you're being meticulous, you're leaving no stone unturned as far as your preparation I think those are the the big kind of carryover things into accounting. And then getting into those kind of dicey situations where base is loaded and nobody out. It's a tie ball game. Like, how are you going to get out of this? And being able to stay calm in kind of high pressure situations is really helpful in accounting. And then also being able to pivot really quickly from one thing to the next. Circumstances changing. All of a sudden you can be up by six runs and then the next inning you're down by one so when things change like that when the focus and the pace change can you be adaptable can you be quick on your feet and can you refocus and just focus on the task at hand with what you can accomplish or what you can control the other thing is that with baseball like i was a pitcher and i had stats we all have like individual stats and you have team stats those individual stats there was a lot that had to go right in order for me to have a good outing. The catcher had to decide to, we both had to be in agreement about what pitch to throw. And then he had to, I had to execute that pitch. And then he had to, the catcher had to catch it or the hitter had to swing and miss. And then the umpire is involved as whether he's going to call a ball or a strike. And then if the batter does put it in play, are my fielders ready to go? Are they going to make, are they going to, do their part as far as making the whole team successful. It's just, there's so many variables that you can't control as a pitcher and also as an accountant. You can't really control a lot of things that come your way, but you can kind of, what you can control, what you can achieve. So those are some of the things that I think really kind of carried over. And then also the big one, I think is like the team, you know, it's a natural team building experience in baseball because you're going to go through highs and lows and hardships and unexpected things. And some of those same qualities, I feel like really carry over to accounting because a lot of what we do is individual, but it affects the team. You know, it affects the whole firm, I guess, or the, or the, the engagement group that you're on. And so being able to be a good team player and being supportive 
of your other teammates and encouraging them and wanting them to be successful. I think a lot of those elements of team in sports can really transition and carry over into accounting. Well, thank you. I hit the gold mine on that question. I figured there was going to be one item, you know, or <laughs> I lost track at like eight or nine here. So, no, wow. Thank you. That's, yeah. Wow. That's a lot of good stuff. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions. And I thought even on this style show, this would be appropriate. The first one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, from either career, doesn't matter. What's been your proudest moment? Well, I'll just take the accounting one. That's the easiest one right now is getting that final grade on the CPA exam and knowing that I'm done, knowing that I don't have to study anymore for these exams. I mean, quite a bit of preparation goes into each exam. And then when you go into the exam, after you come out, I was never really sure that I passed. Never knew until that final score came out. So that was probably my proudest moment in accounting. And then for baseball, my proudest moments were probably around, I would say probably just winning championships. I think it's a football coach that has a funny quote that says, you play to win the game. And I was always excited about winning the game that day. Maybe not necessarily my individual stats throughout the season or whatever. It was more about winning the day or winning the season, which luckily I was fortunate enough to win four championships, four league championships in my professional career. So I have four rings from that. And those are probably my proudest moments. Those you know, when like the team dog piles on the field and everybody celebrates and it's kind of the same thing. It's like the work's oh, all the hard work's done, but you can finally celebrate, you can relax, you can spray the champagne on each other and party and celebrate. But that was my proudest moments were around those team championships and team celebrations. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, second item, Tell us about a lesson that you've had to learn the hard way. And, you know, the more you're able to share about the situation, the better, because that's how everyone learns from these. Sure. Yeah, I think it's probably around preparation. I wasn't, let's, I think there was a time in baseball where I wasn't expect. I was a relief pitcher. I wasn't a starter, so I didn't have a set time that I was supposed to pitch. I was just supposed to be ready, like, at any time. But there was one time where I wasn't ready. And I didn't warm up properly. I Mentally, I wasn't in the game. I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't think it was going to be a game I was going to get into. And I ended up really struggling that day. So I learned the hard way that I have to work every day ready to give my best, whether that's in baseball or accounting. You don't really necessarily know what's going to come your way that day. Something unexpected to come into your inbox or the coach could unexpectedly call you into the game. And my teammates were counting on me, but I wasn't prepared. So I kind of learned it the hard way. And I just know now for myself that I just need to stay prepared, even if it feels like it's going to be a light week at work this week in the accounting world, that I just need to be ready, stay ready and keep sharpening my sword and keep working on my skills. Wonderful. Well, last question, then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? There's a few different kind of ways that this can be said. There was a popular book that kind of talked about leaning in, you know, leaning into something that's uncomfortable for you. There's a phrase in the sporting world called embrace the suck. And you got to embrace things that you don't like or that feel uncomfortable to you. And sometimes those workouts that we did really sucked. <laughs> we had to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and go run around for three miles and then go run into the gym. You got to embrace those moments that are difficult for you or even those feelings that are difficult for you. I mean, I kind of felt a little bit nervous bringing to do this podcast, but because of those 
pieces of advice that I received in the past, I kind of embrace it instead of getting too nervous and saying, Mark, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I, I try to overcome those feelings and say, you know what? This is just a small little temporary thing I'm feeling. I want to embrace this opportunity. And you know, I'm really glad I did. I continue to do that. Just I try to find things that maybe are a little bit out of my comfort zone or maybe a lot out of my comfort zone and just go for it. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. Probably wasn't meant to be. But if I go for something like this and, and it works out, then what a great way to seize an opportunity that maybe, you know, I would have passed by. Mm. I have to tell you, after this show comes up, it's highly probable, or well, after it comes out, it's highly probable that some CPA review course is going to pick that up as their tagline, you know, embrace the suck. It's probably going <laughs> to, you know. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to do that. If you're crazy enough to try to take the CPA exams, you definitely have to embrace the suck of giving up all your date nights with your spouse or your significant other, or, you know, you've got to give up on some vacations and get your, your nose into the book, so. <laughs> I'd be looking for that. It's, it's, it's so cross applies. I love that. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, hey, Brian, thank you so much for doing this. You just alluded to this, and I knew you weren't hesitant to come on the show, but it, yeah, I could tell it. It was a new idea for you, and, and you were open to it, and I appreciate it. But you're a natural. I mean, you've definitely got some coach in you there. You tell <laughs> inspirational stories. And so I thank you very much. This is going to help our listeners tremendously, and I learned a lot as well. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, yeah, no problem, Mark. Yeah, I'm really happy to do it. And if anything I said kind of can benefit your listeners in any way, you know, then it just makes it all the more worthwhile to do it. So I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Thanks again. Well, that was my interview with Brian Henderson in the Austin, Texas area. And like I mentioned, I knew you would really enjoy this story. I at least really enjoyed it. A couple things that really stood out to me were number one, Brian definitely has some coach in him. He tells stories very well. He really paints a picture for you. And I appreciate how much detail he went into about his journey through professional baseball for a little while, because I think that's very helpful in understanding where he is now. And then secondly, I really appreciate and, and frankly, I was surprised at how many connections he was able to draw from baseball into his career as an accounting. There's a lot of lessons that he learned during that time, a lot of skills that he learned, and just a lot of career importance items that he learned during his time in baseball that carried over well into him becoming an accountant and becoming a CPA, as a matter of fact. He's definitely got a great story, and I really enjoyed recording this. Well, this has been another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. And I know I mention this frequently, but seriously, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career, please reach out to me. I'm most findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. And I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And as I always say, we'll see you next week. There's more to come.